Welcome to Youth Speaks Out, a usually monthly program featuring the youth of Mendocino County, California. I'm the producer and director, Dan Roberts. I work with Jameis Shield Spence from Laytonville Healthy Start. Youth Speaks Out receives support from the Office of National Drug Control Policy. This month, I checked back with three Laytonville students, Eve, Karuna, and Natalia, who are off attending college in Oregon and Southern California. I wanted to know how they were doing with the three C's, climate change, COVID, and college. I enjoyed their perspectives and think that you will be inspired as well. We will begin with Eve, who is attending the University of Oregon in Corvallis. Hello, my name is Eve Kreilin. I am a sophomore at Oregon State University, majoring in bioresource research. Um, right now, I am working for the USDA on a hops research site, harvesting experimental genetically bred hops. Wow. Yeah. And are all your classes in person this year? I believe so. My school is really not very communicative and tends to change their mind a lot because they said like even last year we were going to have in-person classes and that didn't happen. Right. I remember that. They promised us in-person classes if we all got vaccinated. So like everybody on campus this year will be vaccinated. I haven't started school yet. I start school ne next month, but they oh. say everybody's going to be vaccinated. The majority of important major classes will be in person. They did say there might be some like remote classes if you have like, if they're like big lecture hall classes. And I'm kind of worried about that because I'm gonna be taking some big lecture hall classes and I feel like, I don't know, I don't want that to be online. I want that experience. So I've signed up for statistics. I've signed up for soil science, like the, the chemistry of soil. That's a soil science class. I've signed up for um, public speaking, which I'm really hoping is going to be in person. <laughs> yeah. What have you learned about education as a result of all the online classes? Did that bring up any notion as how you get educated or what the game is? Yeah, that online school is a ripoff. And then if you want to learn, you like either you need people that are willing to talk to you and communicate ideas with you or you need to be able to teach yourself that you know because and I was kind of stuck in the middle of those two in online school and that's why I felt like I was struggling because I couldn't exactly just teach myself the material I didn't have all the resources to just teach myself the material but I also didn't have enough resources to talk to others about the material learn from that and so that's what online classes really showed to me is that you really like you need to have like the resources and the ability to teach yourself you know it, or you need to have those around you that are able to communicate complex ideas with you just because i was really struggling trying to learn science and math by myself and i would try to talk to someone over the zoom but i couldn't get my ideas across effectively so i found it really difficult but i also didn't have enough resources or time or just like um, information to teach myself all of that information. So that's why I was struggling. So I'm really hoping I have more connections 
to either get help from others or a better understanding on how I can study and teach myself certain aspects on certain topics when, when um, I'm not getting the instruction I need from others. In your classes last year, last semester, did they discuss COVID or the climate crisis? Yeah, and I honestly found it really annoying that all my classes were about COVID. I did not like it. I really felt like I was trying, like we were already in this reality. Like, why do we have to be learning about this reality that's like, a, like inhibiting us from going to college? But our college that we're paying for is just always about that. Like my English class was constantly about COVID. My science, my biology class was constantly about COVID. I felt like that was the only relevant class that should be talked about. And, you know, like I was sick of all the COVID talk in all of the, all of my classes because I wasn't there to learn about COVID. I was there to learn about plant science and freaking diction and rhetoric you know like but instead we're reading articles about COVID like I don't I didn't like it I was not appreciative personally and they weren't talking about the climate like on the other hand we barely talked about climate change when I was taking like environmental science classes like it was mostly about like the research people have done but not really like how it affects the planet you know it was just very like this person found this one enzyme and that can do this, you know, but my biology classes were very medically focused and I was getting kind of annoyed with them for that reason. You're vaccinated, correct? I am vaccinated. Yeah. Do you wear a mask every time you go outside? Um, every time I go into a building, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. There's still mask mandates in my area. Instead of the actual, like, sickness being the issue now, it's the people denying the vaccine and denying the sickness that is creating the issue. Like, I've, I've totally had to cut off my father recently that because he is just sending me all of these ridiculous websites of all these conspiracies that the vaccine is going to change my DNA or it's going to give me blood clots. And I just, like, I've, like, tried to debunk them scientifically because, like, I have been educated on how DNA works and I know that RNA cannot re-enter the nucleus it has to be exported by transport protein and the vaccine does not have that transport protein so it was it's impossible for any of that genetic information to go into your your nucleus and I literally was trying to explain this to my father but he like he has he called me this and it's just really stuck in my mind because it's really it scares me for it scares me because I feel like a lot of people think of people who are going to college or people who know things as this. He called me an educated idiot. And I was like, huh. And he basically means I've just been brainwashed by the educational system or by college to believe that science is real, to believe that history is real. I'm all like, how far do you have to be down? Like how, like what makes you think that the what you've been taught is untrue? Like I get not totally trusting what you've been told, but totally saying that, like, you're an idiot because you believe in science, like, that's, that's crazy to me. And I'm just, I'm very fearful that that's becoming a more popular opinion. How's the weather been in the places you've been in the last six months? Does it seem normal or what's going on? I mean, it's just been hot and dry. Like, when I was in Laytonville, it was in incredibly hot and hot and dry like I left town right before that Bell Springs fire happened 
it wasn't out of the norm like out of the normal for me because I'm kind of used to California setting on fire during the late summer but like we were just on high alert like because everything was so dry like we didn't even have enough water to water our garden we didn't have like we had to like measure our showers time out our showers make sure we didn't use like some more out of the tank I was grateful I wasn't in Oregon during the summer because they had like record-breaking temperatures here like my roommate told me she stayed all summer because she had a job here um she told me it got to like 116 one day and that's like unheard of for Oregon and they were, we're pretty coastal too we're yeah. like only 30 minutes away from the beach and it was 116 degrees here the sea temps here in the Pacific Northwest were off the charts this summer. Like so many tide pooled animals have probably overheated and died this summer just because the ocean here has never been that hot. These like heat waves are just causing like massive ecosystem shifts. Like what organisms can survive there is going to cause a lot of extinction that we are not even aware of, you know, because think of all like the little the little microorganisms that live in tide pools and stuff like that. If they get too hot, they're gone, you know? And like, I don't know, there's just so many tiny factors in the environment that we are affecting and like killing that are not even on humans' radar right now, you know? I have so much eco-anxiety as like myself and other people have called it. Like, it's just so hard to live as a person that's conscious of the effect that you have on your world you know like just me living affects the world so much like me as a person and then multiply that by eight billion and it just seems like such a, a tall trash pile that just continues to grow no matter how much we pull from the bottom you know it just seems like an unstoppable threat to me and i just like no matter how much like I can try to change my individual habits it feels like it's also pointless and I and that's the issue is because everyone feels like that like if you care from the environment and you educate yourselves on the things that you can do as a person if you're the only one doing that then it's kind of pointless it breaks my heart like every day like the fact that I have to use plastic to eat you know to survive I have to pollute the planet and there's just no other way about it. And are are many of your friends climate activists? And if they are, what do they do? I don't like the word climate activist because, like, everybody should be a climate activist. But those who are climate activists don't do anything. Like, there's a difference between. Uh, I, I'm being really pessimistic about this, but like, you can say that on Instagram that plastic is bad and that we're polluting our environment like all day but we're really not doing much like I wouldn't call myself a, a climate activist because I don't feel like I contribute enough like and I don't know how to contribute enough you know and the average person doesn't know how to do that so like climate activists don't really exist right now there's just people who are concerned for the environment and are unable and don't have enough power to really make huge changes and so all they can do is really talk about it like that's all we're doing is talking about it the government is not keeping those companies accountable for what they are doing to the environment like no one's holding the people who are destroying the environment accountable their whole strategy is to just pin all of the responsibility on consumers but consumers don't have the 
facilities, they don't have the time, they don't have the energy to, to sort their whole recycling bin. And even if they do, that recycling, that plastic recycling is not even gonna make it to the recycling facility. Like, it's just a whole scam and a whole lie. And all we can do is talk about it. Like, all we can do is talk about it. Did you listen to Greta's speech at the Austri Austrian Climate Summit? Mm hmm So what do you think about that? Again, I think it's just performative. You can say those things, but is it going to happen? You know, is it, are, is our companies going to change? Are we going to stop doing like these practices? I hate to be like this, but it's just like, it just feels like we are so powerful. Like, yes, Greta can make like a, an inspiring chain, like an inspiring speech like that, but like nothing's going to, nothing's going to change. And that's what makes me sad. Like, I don't, I truly don't believe not like really nothing's going to change immediately. In order to save our planet, we need to stop like living in the society like we do now, like Americans, they need to stop consuming the way, the, like the way they eat is like detrimental for the environment. Like I was thinking if you ban types of plastic packaging that could kill a lot of people because they don't know how to cook for themselves. It would totally mess up the distribution lines of like America's grocery stores. Like it's just like, there's no, well, there's, there's no way. There, there are uh, there are alternatives to plastic. I mean, there's there, yeah. there, there's non-petroleum-based coverings that could be used but, that have been around for yes. 20 years. But, 100%, but they're not being funded and they're not being developed and right. they're not being given to companies. Like, we know this and it's so obvious and I, that's, what my, that's where my anger comes from is that, like, we know that we're, like, the way that we live is screwing up the environment, but the like, people who are in control of our country and of these industries don't think there is any other way or don't want there to be any other way because they're going to lose their money. Like the way America is set up, I just don't know how it's going to be able to change as quickly as it needs to. We need to change yesterday. We need to ban plastics. We need to freaking invest in solar power and wind power and water power and like all those other things. All the people my age are aware, but we just feel currently now powerless to do anything like the only thing I can think that would make any impact is that we like would be mass boycotts. Like we just need to like mass boycott like polluted companies like Coca-Cola. Like Coca-Cola is the first one. Cause that's the only way that we can show our power as like small individuals, as like consumers, as like individual people. That's how we show our power is to like the large corporations that have kind of like such a chokehold on the way this country runs. A lot of people are just trying to live, you know, they're not trying, they don't want to make a difference. They just want to be able to live their own lives and feel like they have freedom and happiness. And I feel like that's, that's what's important to most people. And it's important to me too. So like, that's what, like, that's what I'm afraid of. everything collapses for the environment. Like the, my life might suck, you know, but like the, the natural world will heal. It's just we exploit so many different areas of the earth and so many people to live how we live as Americans. And a lot of people, I just feel like a lot of people don't realize that and don't care. 
they could totally make laws limiting the amount of like carbon emissions like companies in America could have. They could totally like limit the sale of plastic or tax heck or tax the heck out of products that are packaged in plastic. But again, that would punish the consumer and not the company. It's kind of a perfect storm because the economic ramifications of this whole COVID pandemic are also just ruining lots of international economies. And and so there's going to be this poverty, this rise in poverty that's going to happen anyway. And on top of it, environmental collapse, shall we say. Yeah. What's so bizarre to me, I think about this all the time, pretty much all of the damage we have done, we've done in the past 150 years. We have really like changed our whole planet so quickly like in like in the span of like how humans beings have a lot have been alive like human beings have been alive for thousands of years without having to impact but as soon as we became advanced and as soon as we started like having all these comforting things that's when our consumption of the earth became negative and became damaging i feel like if all of that if that society collapsed you know it would and it was just about people surviving and living with their families, like we wouldn't be having all of these world issues. It's from all of the comforts we have and all of the advancements we've had we've made in the past 150 years that have caused all this. And I blame plastics wholeheartedly. Like it's just like why? Why did we ever need plastics? It makes me so upset. Like yeah, what's the whole industrial revolution is what you're talking about is what that that was the thing that sped up the destruction of the planet. I mean, you know, before that people were trashing each other over religions pretty much. Yeah. That, you know, but we and, still had buildings, we still had infrastructure, we still had ways. Like I just instead yeah. of being so focused on like, wow, oil, plastic, like let's this is the future. Like, I feel like if we could have advanced in other directions, you know? Yeah, I agree with like, you on that for sure. We just only focused on advancing this one industry because it's the future and it's new and we came up with it. Like if it wasn't for the discovery of fossil fuels, I feel like we've already would have cracked how to make all rivers pretty much hydro, hydroelectricity centers and stuff like that. I feel like we would have advanced in more beneficial ways. You know, my last question was, what are you doing to nourish your well-being? And that's kind of a foo-foo way of saying, what are you doing to make it so that you're you're staying sane and happy in this time period with all the stuff you know? I've just been trying to be more present in the world. This past year, I've been really like on the internet and on my phone and watching all this stuff. And I just, it really checked me out and like made me not appreciate life as much so I've really been trying to like ground myself more and not think about things all the time I want to do more things and less thinking about things because for the past year all I've been doing is looking at stuff on my phone and thinking about how screwed up the world is or like how much anxiety I have or like when the pandemic's going to be over but though all those feelings are just coming from that obsession of like trying to analyze and be informed about what's going on but i'm just like that's not going to change my life directly like of course i need to be informed but i can't be 
obsessed over it, you know? So I've been really trying to like, just do more activities with my body and my brain. You know, I've been, I took up skateboarding. I skateboarded all around Corvallis. I, there's like a nice park near my house where we have like beach volleyball courts. So I've been playing beach volleyball with some people. I met some, some days I met my friend Javier there. So I've been trying to do more of that, like interacting with the world instead of in, like interacting with the world with with me, with my hands, with my voice, with my body, instead of interacting with the world over the internet. You are listening to Youth Speaks Out. That was Eve from Corvallis. Now we will hear from Karuna, a Laytonville High School graduate who is attending Claremont College in the Los Angeles area. Hi, my name is Corona Gillespie. I'm a sophomore at Claremont McKenna College, and I just began living on campus. I'm studying public policy and government. Where's Claremont College? In the LA area, it's right below the San Bernardino Mountains. It's a really small um, liberal arts private college. Are your classes gonna be in person this year? They are. My classes are gonna be in person. My school is a part of a broader five schools. They call them the five Cs that are all sort of connected as one college, but they're broken, broken off into separate parts. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, some of the other colleges are doing a lot of other virtual and um, like outside classes. But as far as I know, all my classes are inside and in person. And have you already started classes? Um, no, we start on Monday. Do you know specifically your schedule? I'm taking Spanish and I'm taking a religious studies course. It's called Religion and Politics in America. Wow, that's great. Um, and then, yeah, and then I'm taking a history, which is the one I'm, I'm really excited for. It's called Genocide and Human Rights in the 20th Century. So, whoa, that's what I'm excited for. Cool classes. Yeah, since I'm studying public policy, um, and I am just personally really interested in religion and how it affects our society. So I'm really excited to see the effects and correlations between those two. So what did you learn about education from, you know, the whole process of education from having to do it online rather than in person? Did you get any insights about education? Yeah. And some of them are still coming to me as um, and since I haven't actually started classes yet with college classes in person, I'm guessing I'm going to see even more contrast and um, learn things more about the education process. But the biggest things that I noticed were that I felt like usually in college, students get to know each other and therefore are able to help each other out in classes and, you know, sit together and study or just, just have a quick conversation about an assignment um, and passing by and like, information spread really easily that way some of my class got they put more effort into meeting people online than i did i sort of checked out of the online social scene a little bit just because i was feeling drained with being on a screen after doing zooms all day um but i felt like the the lack like i i couldn't walk by on campus and see someone and ask them when something was due like Everything was very tricky in particular, and students, it was harder for students to collaborate on, on things together and, and talk about things. So it felt more like we were each individually taking a class instead of like all of us taking a class. Um, that was 
definitely the biggest thing. And I'm feeling as I as I am about to start classes that I'm going to take advantage of my my peers taking their classes as well and, and being close to me as much as I can because I feel like I didn't get that. So it's, it, it'll help a lot to have other students just near me and around there taking the same classes as me. Has the climate crisis and COVID made you rethink your what you want to study? Yeah, definitely. When I was applying to colleges, I was really considering um, like a, a physics major. I was really excited about the idea of um, like astrophysics and um, exploring that sort of thing. And I saw myself doing it because I really, I really enjoyed it, um, the ideas. And then with everything happening that happened over the past couple of years, I realized that there's, there's way too much need to decide that I can just devote my education to something fun um, and that I needed to put it to, to use more. And I know that, so I switched my major to public policy. And I, at that time, thought that that would um, be helpful for changing policy around COVID and climate and whatever. But I, I still rethink it now. Again, if I should switch it again, I'm not sure. Should I, should I switch to environmental science? Like, would that be better? I, I don't know. Part of what also COVID has taught me and climate change is that um, things just come out of nowhere. You know, really unexpected things will shift and ch change the world. So uh, part of my hope was the public policy major that if something else <laughs> happens to come up that's even more pressing, or if when I graduate, I can kind of reassess what, um, what may need the most need. And I'm hoping that the public policy major and education can kind of, I can apply to different fields and whatever might need need. I'm really interested in public education, so I'm trying to focus my studies on reforming public education. Um, and that was being something that I was passionate about for a while. But with climate, climate change, I sometimes I feel like that is maybe, maybe focusing directly on climate state change instead of just educating people about climate change, because it'll be more of a future payoff instead of a direct one. And so I worry because our timeline, um, I'm not sure how much time we have. So yeah, exactly. um, I worry about if I, if I reform public education, will it work fast enough to educate people or will it be too late by then? And should I have just studied science straight out of the gate? Like, um, so yeah, that's definitely thoughts I have and definitely COVID and climate have made me question. Not, and not just switching my major, but um, attending college at all. Sometimes I feel like maybe getting this higher education is a waste of time. If in 10 or 20 or 50 years, um, there is a more of an apocalyptic world in which my, my college education won't be that useful. I worry that I might be wasting my time a little bit. Um, so I'm hoping we have enough time that I can apply it to something useful before it becomes useless. So do you think that the weather's changing much? Yeah, so where I grew up in Laneville my whole life, um, when I think back to the memories I have of a, ch of a child, of what winter seasons were supposed to be like are so different from what um, they are now. I remember it being... Um, something we had to like prepare for and prep for. And it was, it would rain for weeks. It would snow. It was freezing. It was so cold. And 
now it is very different from that. It's like we get a very small fraction of the rain that we used to get. And it's really terrifying. I've done um, the drive to, from NorCal to SoCal and back and forth down California um, a couple times now recently. And um, it's really scary to look around because everything is dry. Like everything is so dry. And we saw that with the fire season this past year with a lot of the fires up in Mendocino, definitely. But um, just on the West Coast over there. What do you know about the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC report? Do you know much about that? I do. I know a little bit. Um, I watched the, the video you sent me um, that reviewed it, and I, I looked at um, a, a, some small sections of it um, a couple weeks when it first came out. It's interesting because I actually haven't heard anyone around me really speak about it in my at home or really even in my college academic um, environment. It's really interesting because I would expect that to be a conversation. Where I see the conversation happening is on social media. I would see a lot of people um, talking about it there um, and posting about it, which is um, helpful. But I think people need to be having like uh, should be having conversations in person about it um, as well. What I really know about it is that um, why this report is different than the ones that they have released in the past is that it, um, the language it's used is a lot more direct and less vague and a lot more um, clear that um, humans have impacted it and we have um, caused climate change and that it is it is bad. <laughs> it's not maybe bad, it is bad. <laughs> and that, I, that's what I know is the difference um, that has um, changed. So are you angry that the elders let this all, this environmental catastrophe happen? And what could they have done instead? Yes. Yes, it is um, very angering um, that past generations have let things get to a point where it's so dangerous and so hard to reverse, um, pretty irreversible. Some of things, some things really will be irreversible and they already have been. So I am angry. Like we were saying, um, there isn't much that they probably could have done on the individual level. And um, it's hard to blame those who were never educated about it. And I know that it's pretty hard. Like now it's really hard to not educate on climate change. And I can't say because I haven't been alive for that long how hard it was before to um, avoid that, um, to stay in that ignorance. But I think for those people who chose to deny it once they were educated about it. Um, I'm angry at those people. I'm, I'm angry at the people who pushed out propaganda to deny climate change for all this time. Obviously, they were prioritizing their own lives and making sure that they could live their life to the fullest and they knew they were going to die before um, anything too bad happened, so it didn't matter to them. And I am also a little bit angry for the people who fell for that propaganda, but I know that it's entirely their fault and that ignorance is a huge barrier to action so for those people who just never even were exposed to that kind of education i i don't i don't really blame them you're vaccinated right yeah do you have to be vaccinated to to take classes there you have to be vaccinated to yeah to, to do in-person classes and live on campus 
um, vaccinations required. So we all had to upload our vaccination status um, into their system. And there are um, other COVID restrictions. Like right now, we aren't allowed to have anyone off campus, obviously, um, mostly because we all have our vaccinations into the system. So it seems weird if we let other people who don't have that vaccination status uploaded um, on campus. Right. And because I'm a, a part of a small college that is a part of other colleges, there's a lot of restrictions. Um, usually my school and the other schools are allowed to go on other campuses and eat at like other colleges dining halls since we're all in the same area. But because of COVID, all that's been shut down. I will say it's interesting that although there are COVID restrictions that I'm understanding, I think so far from what I've been here, which isn't very long, um, but from my experience so far, it seems as though the students seem to care way more than um, anybody else about um, having heavier COVID restrictions. And um, a lot of students, like checking other students and making sure that like, if you're around a big group of people, even if you're outside to have your mask on. And there's a, I know there's a petition um, going around right now that is being signed by students to have stricter COVID restrictions because they're worried about cases. I know that there are there already have been several cases since people came onto campus, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. But so far, what I've noticed is that um, the students um, really really care, and they are not afraid to tell their kids like, "You should put a mask on," or um, "We should spread out," or that kind of thing. Right. So, how has COVID changed your social life? and relationships when it first happened i i wasn't really seeing anyone um so it was interesting to watch everyone sort of go into their um little own little bubble i didn't lose social connections but just sort of they did fall away a little bit more um and it's interesting coming here on the campus with other college kids who also went through the same thing last year and just talking about how it's affected us now and not just then too. Um, like we were lonely then, um, but even now, just like sort of having a little more social anxiety and people keep using the phrase, like saying that like their social battery is is way smaller. Like just being able to interact with people is like a lot harder um, for people. So it's not just that social relationships changed right after COVID, but like still now it's it's interesting I'm watching people try to be social and interact again. It's a little, it's a little hard. In this time of multiple crises, what are you doing to nourish your well-being? Hmm. Um, to be out, um, being outside in general, because I feel like after being indoors for so long um, was kind of a lot on people. Um, so getting outside has really been um, really hard helpful for me and moving my body um, and sort of because sometimes I start to feel a little bit um, mentally stuck I find that it helps if I if I'm not physically stuck that I start to feel less mentally stuck as well so I've been using that a lot um, honestly just like dance I think dance is like therapy um, totally. and I I almost feel bad for everyone who um, doesn't feel comfortable in themselves to just dance how they want, because I think it's like one of the most trans transformative things to do. 
focusing on the relationships that I did have and making sure that those are really um, healthy and beneficial relationships for both of us um, was definitely a thing. But I think now it is, um, it does feel really good to interact with other peers my same age. Kids who share my drive and um, are, are taking, studying the same things as me or um, just sharing space with me. So definitely interacting with people, even though it may not be the most COVID safe thing, is um, definitely been nourishing my, my well-being. I took a class um, my last semester. Um, it, was a, it was a freshman humanities seminar called Nature and Society. And so it examined the relationship between humans and nature um, over history. One of the units we focused on was climate change. And our professor had us run through the um, Copenhagen Summit 2009 meeting um, and do a simulation of that, of the United Nations meeting from 2009 in Copenhagen. And she assigned us each to a different country. Um, and so we each like represented a country and tried to come to an agreement on what we were going to restrict and what we were going to do um, over the next couple of years, which is what they did in 2009. And I was assigned to Tanzania, um, which was under the list of smaller under underdeveloped countries compared to the larger developed countries. And I feel like it was just such a big takeaway to learn the amount of control that the larger developed countries have over what decisions are made. And no matter how, how, how hard us underdeveloped smaller countries trying to push for restricting emissions way more, especially for restricting the bigger developed countries who are pushing out way more emissions. Um, it's like, they're just big bullies. Um, we just got pushed around and, um, yeah, learning that it's, there's just so much greed. Yeah. It, it wasn't that they all just were denying it or unaware, like learning that there are countries and people who are like, Hey, we are small and underdeveloped and we're flooding. And if sea levels rise by, a tiny bit more, like our well water will be contaminated and we can't drink well, like our water. And the big countries being like, well, we need to make money. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, you can't drink water. <laughs> so that was a really, I, I really loved doing that because it was a really interesting experience to, um, to go through that simulation and sort of pretend to be one of those people trying to convince those bigger countries. Very hard, close to impossible. But now I I'm here studying public policy to hopefully, hopefully to be in one of those meetings someday or something yeah. of that sort. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see you doing that. That would be the ultimate for you. It's like to, the international right. stuff is so important. You are listening to You Speaks Out. Our website is youspeaksout.net. Now we will hear from Natalia, another Laytonville High School graduate who is attending Occidental College in Los Angeles. Hi, my name is Natalia Cuesta Teneo. I'm a sophomore at Occidental College. I'm considering majoring in education. I'm interested in education reform and uh, Spanish to kind of work with like communities, Spanish-speaking communities. I'm taking an Indigenous People of Mexico course. Um, it's like, um, let's call Indians of Mexico, but I don't really, like, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't really like the word Indian very much, but that. And then um, it's called Urban um, Sustainability Projects. And then uh, the Spanish class, 
and of course where we meet up with a middle school student in LA and like we work together on their classes. Are your classes all going to be in person? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I think the one with like the kid from LA is going to be in person for sure. I think that the Spanish one should be in person. Like for now, they're all in person. Like I have, you know, like rooms I go to, but um, we'll see. You know, like LA isn't doing amazingly well with the COVID stuff. Like there's always a chance that stuff can go downhill. But right now I'm, I'm looking forward and I think it should be all in person. Is it a requirement to be vaccinated to go to school this year? It's basically required unless we have like a religious excuse or like a physical reason why we wouldn't be able to get vaccinated. But I'm pretty sure our school has a really high vaccination rate. Like it's 97, like 98% of the students are vaccinated. What do you think you've learned about the educational process as a result of all the online classes you had to do? Oh, interesting. I mean, at each level, I think it was really different. Like I definitely felt the most for students in really young classes, like, you know, people whose parents, like kids whose parents like had to like go to work and stuff and they like barely had a computer, like having to do third grade stuff or like really transitional and things like first grade, kindergarten, stuff like that. Like there wasn't a lot of, we never really, I don't think anybody ever planned for a situation like this and like having to give kids Wi-Fi or kids having to use their parents' phones and stuff. Do you think there was enough success in the online classes from last year that colleges will shift to more online classes in general? From my experience with what we did at our school, they really simplified all of our classes. Like they really were like, okay, you guys are in a pandemic, you know, like we're all struggling. So we're not going to give you the kind of workload that we would normally give you, like if you were in person. And I think a lot of the issue with college at least is like a lot of your support in the class is your classmates and like linking up with them like after class or like talking to them during class or being able to like physically stop like your professor to do something like real quick like after class and so all that was kind of gone like it was really hard to make friends to study with and do stuff like that because we're all in our own personal lives you know what I'm saying yes so for that reason I would like to say like no like it's a really simple kind of overall topic like I could see online courses being beneficial for some people you know like people that want to travel or like don't necessarily want to be in like a single place for a very long time uh-huh. I could see that as being a benefit but for the general public of like college students, I haven't met a person that enjoyed it or like found it to be easy or like simple. Has the climate crisis and COVID made you rethink what you should study? Oh yeah, for sure. It's made me rethink whether or not I should be studying for this long, honestly. Like it's just like, can I be doing more physical things? to do things better and like there's always the question it's like well the planet's dying so we need to focus on the planet right but like the only thing that's going to fix the planet are the people that are living on it you know what i'm saying so it's like you focus on getting people to realize that it's messed up and care and like do like social type work or do you just go straight to the straight to the chase and just work on like ecological benefit like trying to make new things or do stuff like that i've never been a super sciencey person the only science that i really was ever interested in was like environmental sciences I would probably, if I really just decided to focus solely on like physical, like nature type sciences and actions in that way and not really go through people, if that makes any sense, I would probably just not necessarily take a bunch of classes on it, but just try to like be in a bunch of projects and like work with a bunch of people, not necessarily in like a college situation to try to get stuff done. Because I, I think getting degrees in this stuff's like important too, but I guess I would 
hope to just physically like do stuff quicker. Do you think the weather was different this summer? Oh, for sure. 110%. When I was really little, like, I remember summer times, you know, they were hot and like they were dry because it was California. But like, especially just regarding the fires, like, I just don't remember there being that many crazy fires when I was a kid. Like, maybe we'd have one or two, you know, that was like, oh, shoot, there's a fire here. And then it last maybe like a few days before we'd go out. But like, never days where it's like three or four fires in random places that are like vaguely being controlled, like all over the place really nearby you know what i'm saying like i and i talked to my mom about it too i was like was it like this you know like why, why is it so like it's really like it's definitely extra dry super duper dry and everything just dies really fast you know the rivers are so much drier and so much more shallow than they used to be like me and my friends you know we go to the river as our pastime and it was just like the first time we ever went it was like way lower than it was like when we ended the summer the last year <laughs> it was just stuff where it's like dang maybe my kids won't ever really be able to swim in this river if it stays like this you know are many of your friends climate activists the term climate activist is interesting because it's like do all of us care about the environment yes are y'all like trying to do our best to make things individually better for ourselves to be more sustainable yes but do any of us actually know how to do anything to help this on an individual or like group level probably not it's like we all really care for sure like nobody's like meant for the climate you know but it's kind of like what can we do at this point do you think that the elders like my generation could have done more to prevent this from happening i mean yeah of course because it's you know like we know what's going wrong we know that individual you know average well people aren't the ones that like poor people still have to like work they still have to eat like how do we get people that are just trying to survive to also get on this cause when like we as like more comfortable people are have the privilege to be more aware of it you know what i'm saying yes and so you guys had more time would be like my only frustration it's kind of like you had the option to also look forward and be like having kids without like the entire like world kind of crumbling or like you know the capability to be like older grandparents and stuff but i guess now like looking into the future, I just kind of really doubt making a large place for myself just because I'm not really certain on how long anything will really last. Like, you know, by the time I get to the age where I'm like comfortable or like have this stability to have a kid, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know, because I don't want to put them into a world that's going to be like either broke, completely broken or like on fire by the time that they get to be an age where they get to go and like explore the world. You know what I'm saying? And I'm even frustrated by that now because of like how messed up everything is and it's like I was put into this huge problem space and as an individual I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with it like we can all a lot of people you know they just want to forget about it and be like all right well let's live all we can type thing but it's hard you know like I don't want to be just spend all my time being pissed at old people like I already do that enough you know what I'm saying <laughs> but <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. it's you know I think most older people like they kind of recognize they kind of wasted the space like there's you know, protests are really important, but when all you do is, you know, go out into a space and show that you're upset with something, it doesn't necessarily force anything to change. And I think that y'all were really good at doing it. Like, there's a lot of really memorable protests and, like, but at the same time, I still think that, you know, none of us have really figured out what we really need to do to make all this stuff, like, like go down, like, to, like, really kind of, like, burn the system that we have right now in order to make it all work. And people, you know, they don't want to be uncomfortable. Like, there's a lot of real big changes that we'd have to make 
that everyone would have to make in order for this stuff to get better. And like a lot of our math systems of how we work are going to be completely reworked. And a lot of people would rather just be comfortable for as long as they can instead of having to learn and do new things in order to make, you know, generations after us actually survive. It's hard to just give the earth time to heal, you know, to just pause everything and like get it all together and not make production like our most important thing because everyone, you know, everyone has to make money. Like everyone has to do something in order to sustain themselves. And I guess, you know, like what we all want is to be able to just naturally survive or whatever, but it's a weird concept. It's really strange. And everyone from different places of, of the world and the country of the U.S., like, they have different opinions on it. Workers that are producing most of these things that are bad for the environment are, like, really, really poor people because that's all the options that they have, and, you know, that's purposeful. And it's like, well, you know, we want to stop fast fashion, and we want to stop, like, all these, like, really rough things that mess up the environment, but we have to, like, provide alternatives for these people to be able to survive and, like, for us to be able to naturally live with the environment instead of constantly fighting it all the time and not overindulge ourselves because that's kind of the only thing we've learned to do, at least in the U.S. Okay, well, do you think that there's a parallel between the way people deny the climate problem, the climate crises, and the way that people deny the pandemic crises and the vaccine crises. I mean, it, it seems to me that we're, you know, it, it's the same thing in both situations. I know people that I respect and they're my friends that believe that the pandemic is a hoax and that the vaccines are part of a conspiracy mm -hmm. to mess them up. And yet I also know people that if I try and talk to them about climate change, they're like, oh, you know, the weather's always changing. You know, don't don't give me this. Right. So do you think that there's a parallel in that? And, and what where it, where's that parallel come? Where's that cognitive dissonance? Yeah, they tend to be the same kind of people. You know, like, I think most of it is just wanting to feel safe. And so in order to feel safe, you're going to lie to yourself and lie to yourself until you just can't lie to yourself anymore. Like, and it's pretty extreme measures at this point. It's a lot more scary to admit that like we're in a global pandemic that we've never really fully experienced before in a very, very long time and things are shutting down and people are dying and we have to, you know, introduce this new kind of medicine into ourselves in order to make it all work out instead of just being like, well, they're all just lying to us and this is, this is fake and everyone's lying. Like it's a lot, you feel a lot calmer and it's less anxiety inducing to say that. And the same thing with like global warming, especially when you feel like really powerless in the whole situation or, you know, you'd have to change up a lot of things in your life in order to to be on the, on the good side of things. You know, it's a lot easier to be like, well, it's fake anyways. You know, like everything, everything changes. Nothing bad's happening. Like I'm still going to do this, especially really wealthy people. And I think the, the people that are really causing all this global warming stuff, big, you know, organizations, I'm sure that they know, like, I think that most of them aren't like idiots, but you know, if they admit that they're doing something bad, then it will be less, be a lot different if they were just acting ignorant, you know, and ignorance is bliss, like what they say, <laughs> like, a lot of people that are really aware of all these problems, like they're, they're ridden with anxiety and a lot of things, because it's just like, how do we solve all of these things that are happening? Like, how did it get like this? Like, I'm 19 years old, like, now what do I do? Type thing. And I guess like, it does seem simpler to just ignore that it's happening at all in the first place. 
Well, I think you made a good point in that you said it's the powerlessness that people feel in both instances, and and that's I that's that's right. You know, that's right. I, I hadn't thought of it just as that. That's the parallel is that people feel like they can do nothing about the climate, and the pandemic is so scary if it's as bad as they say it is, which it, to me it clearly is. So it's better if mm -hmm. you just deny it than. Then, then you're not going to feel so powerless and hopeless. It's interesting, like having the phase of our, our lives where we're going into the world being really shut down, you know, like 18, 19, 20 year olds, like that are planning and have spent their entire lives, like planning like their parents and their grandparents. I got to, you know, go out and do a lot of things or react in a really different way. And I think, I guess the only difference really between all these big issues happening is like we just feel a lot more rushed. Like we don't have the same luxuries that a lot of the older generations had in terms of being able to let things flow, like chill out, you know? How has COVID changed your social life and relationships? At least being in Rainbow, I definitely was allowed to have like a little bubble of a few people, you know, like when COVID was real rough and like the restrictions just started out and it was very difficult for a while because a lot of people didn't believe that COVID existed like a lot of people were still going out and like partying and like hanging out in big groups and doing stuff like that and it was hard like as a person who was kind of raised to not trust anything the government tells them and like that doesn't want to trust any like modern you know western scientific explorations to you know listen to all these guidelines and do this stuff just like on a blind little whim so like at first it was kind of like well I just want to do like whatever you know like and it got to a point where I was like, no, like I'm being selfish. Like I need to recognize now that like a lot of people are being affected just because I get the privilege to be able to live in like a rural spaced out area while this is happening. It doesn't necessarily mean I shouldn't like respect this stuff and like stuff can still totally spread really easily here. So there's definitely a phase where it didn't affect me very much. And then it got to a point where I just didn't really see a lot of people. And it was winter time too. So winter time is always really rough because there's just nothing to do in Laneville, especially like if you're not going to school. So it was a real, real lonely, real boring for a little while. And in terms of like college social life, it was pretty, pretty dim, not much. You know, I didn't want to be on Zoom any more than I already was. And I didn't make a lot of online friends, you know, a few acquaintances that I like got to meet up with in person here. And that was really cool. But nothing too crazy, you know, like. I think it affects a lot of people in terms of like romantic relationships. Like a lot of people on campus are like have not been able to, you know, interact with another person of their attracted gender in a really long time. So it's like really overwhelming, you know, and like a lot of people are just nervous. Like we're all like, yeah, I haven't been around these many people my age that I don't know. And like, I don't know how long, you know, like we didn't have our senior year. We had a whole year where we were kind of had to be at home. Like it's just, it's really overwhelming for a lot of us. And I think a lot of us are kind of really anxious about it, but it's like, an excited type anxious so we're like dealing yeah good what are you doing to nourish your well-being Ooh. Ooh. yeah my best i'm doing my best i am <laughs> i don't know i try to i went to the therapist for a little while and i'm trying to focus on kind of like being with myself if that makes any sense like growing up in a very technological area, it's really easy to like exist without really existing and being aware of yourself at the same time and just sitting, sitting with yourself and letting you just feel and think the way that you want. And I can just shove information and media and conversations down my, down my brain and never have to really like sit 
and just be, if that makes any sense. Yes. And I think it's really difficult. You know, like I think it's really difficult for a lot of people in my generation. And I'm trying my best to just start to do that. It's especially difficult moving to a new place like college and stuff because like you want to hang out with a bunch of people and then you don't want to necessarily sit and decompress and think about all this stuff that's going on in case it, you know, triggers some sort of like panicky situation. But I think it's important and I'm trying to work on it more. That's all for this month's edition of Youth Speaks Out. Leightonville Healthy Start Coalition's Drug-Free Communities Project is proud to support this month's Youth Speaks Out. Our environmental prevention strategies in the community, also known as EPIC, is a project funded by the Office of National Drug Control Policy. Through our organization and coalition, we are working towards reducing youth substance abuse through a variety of strategies in the Leightonville community. If you are interested in learning more about our efforts, please contact Leightonville Healthy Start at 707-984-8089 or email jama at jama at leightonville.org. You Speaks Out is produced and distributed by Dan Roberts, who may be reached by mail at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490, or through the website www.youthspeaksout.net. There you can also find out more information about the project, get addresses for contacting us, get a copy of a show, and listen to many hours of previous programs in streaming and downloadable audio. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this radio station. They are the views of those who express them. You Speaks Out is free to rebroadcast upon notification. Our shows are posted monthly at our website, youspeaksout.net, and you can find our podcast link there. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. This podcast was produced by KZYX-FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, local community radio from Mendocino County, California. If you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more, in Northern California, you can tune in anytime to KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ at 91.5 FM in Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg. If you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening.